0: Hi, welcome back to Cycling Talk podcast with me, George Mahoney. Today, I'm joined by rider for With Sun God, Jake Scott. Thank you so much to Jake for taking the time to be on the podcast and tell me his cycling life story. We talk about his cycling career so far, his achievements at Tour of Britain's and how important it is to have supportive people around you. Thank you for joining me today, Jake.
1: Hi Georgia, nice to be here. I'm looking forward to it.
0: What's your first memory of being on a bike? Uh,
1: my first memory is I remember my grandma and granddad buying me like a mountain bike. I think it was a, I think it was a Saracen when I was um, a very, very, very young boy. Um I used to ride it up and down the street, just just playing around. Really, you know, I never. Never really expected to uh, get into the world of, shall we say, professional cycling back then. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the first kind of memory of of riding up and down my grandma and granddad street on a, on a little mountain bike.
0: What's the first bike you remember being really excited about?
1: So I think when I was under 14, possibly under 60, I think it was under 14, but um, my dad came home with a... Uh, Ex British cycling Trek Madone, um, full carbon. Um, I think it was used by uh, Paralympic at the time, and then as British cycling do, you know, sometimes they sell the bikes off. Um, and I remember him coming home with that, and I remember getting really excited because that was my first first opportunity on a, on a full carbon bicycle, which everyone. At the time, that of course, when you when you coming up through the ranks, um, everyone has a carbon bike when you get to a certain stage, and yeah, I remember remembering at the time, just thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to put some put some nice wheels in this, and yeah, I'm going to be able to compete with everyone on more of a more of an even level now.
0: So, were your family and friends into cycling?
1: Um, so there's no one I'd say they're more into it now. There was no one, in a sense that ever, shall we say, forced me into cycling. It was very, it was very easy, and yeah. yeah, it was. It was mostly done with with friends, and yeah, we rode, we rode mountain bikes as kids, and then it simply, it simply went from a friend that had um, a birthday party, and it had, and he, and we all went to Manchester Velodrome. And yeah, the, the kind of domino effect went from there. I guess uh, a coach kind of saw me and saw us and said, you know, do you want to do it more often? And do you fancy doing, do you fancy doing a bit more of this? And yeah, it kind of kind of dominoed from there to to a point where it wasn't just visits to Manchester Velodrome; it was traveling here, there, and everywhere, and racing along alongside of that.
0: And how did you then get into racing and what do you remember about your first race?
1: I remember, I remember competing on a mountain bike in my first road race, as daft as that may sound, but yeah, because we were, we were very new to the sport and yeah, I joined a, I joined a local, a local club and, you know, they said, oh, you know, we've got, they do they do races at every say second Wednesday or every Wednesday at either Richard Dunn Centre in Bradford or uh, a Go Cat circuit which is in a one well in Barnsley and um, it was called the White Rose Youth League and you know they said if you want to start out racing, which I did at the time and yeah they said that's the best place to go and I turned up and there's all these kids on
0: mm-hmm. road
1: bikes and carbon road bikes and me on a me on a mountain bike that I've been racing. You know, in like a, a local Yorkshire schools League, shall we say, and uh, yeah, I remember I remember getting lapped pretty quickly, I think because <laughs> yeah I just just couldn't quite keep up on the mountain bike, but yeah it uh, it soon changed after that
0: <laughs> What sort of training were you doing with your local club
1: uh we were I did an awful lot on the mountain bike with um with the club when I was younger, so yeah. We're pretty lucky where we live it's it's very open spaces and so on and so on and yeah we've got a we've got a good few places where we can where we could get a group of us together and yeah we were there with the club and it would be just like little races or little technical stuff and yeah really really simple easy stuff that I I enjoyed actually because it, it was never you know as, as as structured as it was it was always enjoyable and yeah, from, from the road side of things, I think it was more um, just kind of training training by myself and just going out, just riding my bike more. I, I don't really remember doing that much with with many people when I was younger. Um, but I think I, I had quite a quick journey to the kind of British cycling pathway when I was younger. And yeah, it kind of went on to, shall we say, structured, more structured training programmes, but still... Yeah. Enjoying it as as I progressed from under fourteen to under sixteen.
0: So, whereabouts did you grow up? Did you have to do a lot of travelling to get to your races?
1: I'm from home first in West Yorkshire, so yeah. We're, luckily we're quite we're quite close to all the uh, all the main motorways, if you will. But yet again, in the kind of in the middle of nowhere, um, which is nice. I like it. But yeah, um, I remember travelling quite a lot when I was younger, but. We did a lot in kind of Yorkshire. And we did a lot in the Northwest. So it's, um, yeah, it was, I think it was more when we got to the national kind of races where some weeks I remember being in Bristol or so on or, you know, Solihill or something like that, which probably if I was to drive it now, we'd just be like, oh yeah, that's fine. But mm-hmm. when I was younger, it seemed quite a lot. But yeah, we, we, we stuck quite close when I was younger. I remember there being a lot of, a lot of races um, quite close to home and yeah a lot of a lot of good races also so there was never never much need to travel quite here there and everywhere.
0: (laughs) What do you remember about your first national race?
1: My first national race that's a good question I can't remember to date the first national race but the, the first one that I that I do remember of if it was my first national or not. I'm not too sure, but was actually, as I said, there. Was a, I think we were competing in Bristol, and I was trying to think back back to this earlier. And yeah, it was. I actually won that race. And, but so, if it was the first national I did, I actually won it. But I don't, I don't think it was. Um, but that's the kind of the first one that I remember. And it was. I don't even think it. You could class it as a cycling track back then. It was. Um, it was literally. I don't know. You couldn't you couldn't drive a car around it. Like a, a car would be too wide for the circuit. And I remember starting the race, and I think there was, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 of us. And there was crashes galore the first lap. And yeah, kind of like if you can imagine roots that were growing up through the tarmac. So the back straight was all bumpy. Probably probably better suited to a mountain bike at the time, actually. But yeah, that's uh, that's the first one I remember. And yeah, I remember just yeah, it, it, it's strange because obviously I never remember being too, too serious when I was younger. I remember we always had a laugh with all the guys that I grew up with. And yeah, most of us just stay at the same hotels and eat together and so on. And obviously you've got your parents there. But yeah, it's, it's, it was um, that's kind of my first, my first memory of, of national racing.
0: After that win, how long was it until you joined a team?
1: Uh, so growing up I did I joined the club so I was with Home Valley Wheelers and then I went to ride for Planet X as an under 16. So you you could possibly class it as a team. Um but it was more kind of fought individually uh, because you know I didn't didn't have teammates per se. Uh, but yeah that was from there really it was I'd say from 2016, I've been been pretty well supported is probably the best way of putting it.
0: What was your first international race?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I remember going to Belgium on the GB Talent Team programme and we went to do like a a local KMS type race and I think we were in West Flanders at the time. Um and I can't think exactly what the town's called, but not that it matters. But yeah, we were in West Flanders um and we turned up to this race and yeah, I remember that kind of being my first first real experience of it. And again, kind of like I said a moment ago that we were all still very much friends when we when we were all on the talent team and it was all a good laugh. And you kind of it's funny you kind of still hear about it now, but of national teams that turn up to Say under sixteen races in Belgium and come one, two, three, four, five, and six, and we did that. <laughs> I think we were like first, second, third, fourth, seventh, eighth, and tenth. Or, you know, something something along them lines. We it was really it was really crazy to have that as your as your first experience of um, racing internationally. Shall we say?
0: And when you uh, became a junior and you started racing more internationally, how did your training change?
1: Oh, more. As as anybody would kind of say to to a person that's turning first year junior, they kind of talk about the, the base mileage. So, you know, under sixteen, you go from riding kind of one hour crits, um, and then you jump straight to junior to say 50 mile road races, you know, it's it's quite it's quite a big leap. But yeah, it was it was literally just kind of getting in in a winter of that base miles and yeah, just just trying to get used to the um I'm just trying to get used to that distance, which you know, now if if you were to say, tell me to go out and ride 50 miles, I'd be like, Yeah, no worries, I'll be back in a certain amount of time. But then of course it was all it was all quite new. It was never something daunting, I wouldn't say, but it was, you know, suddenly you go a bit further away from home or so on and so on. And yeah, you learn learn a lot more new roads. But yeah, kind of mixing, mixing base miles with learning to ramp up the intensity into the into the first races I did as a junior,
0: and were you fitting this training around your education?
1: Yes, so I was at the time at what I've still been. At, I can't. I can't remember what year I was in, but yeah, I was still fitting it around education right up until um, I was first year under twenty-three. So yeah, it was. Um, I don't remember it being. I don't remember it being difficult because I think growing up kind of having say like the Wednesday night league that I discussed, it was very much it was very much like when you when you're racing every week on a Wednesday, it's it's very easy just to yeah, just to turn up and go after school and you know, all, all, all I had to really do is just be home from school quickly and then yeah, jump in the car, make sure all my say bottles are ready or my mum would make sure all my bottles are ready and then we'd drive to Bradford, which it wasn't too far away, or we'd drive to Barnsley. So, yeah, I don't I don't really remember it being difficult to, say, train or race. And then obviously we did kind of the same at the weekend when we had more time.
0: Can you tell me about your first season of international racing as an under-23?
1: Yeah, so my first season of international racing as an under-23 was actually my second year as an under-23. So the first year I rode for a team called Haribo Beacon, which was... Um, good little team it was one that i progressed from kind of as a as a junior up into under 23 and we'd done a lot of the british races criteriums and so on um and then yeah kind of spent the end of that season with a friend in belgium we'd gone riding for a for a club team out there for a month just to kind of get the experience to see you know you kind of hear riders talking about it about wanting to go to belgium or wanting to go to france and we took the opportunity at the end of that season when the wasn't many British races on at the time just to go to Belgium and yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it, he thoroughly enjoyed it and yeah we um, we were applying to kind of other teams while we were there just to just to see what would fit us best and um, yeah we kind of both walked away at that point with um, uh, a contract with a, a club team called Illibikes which were based, they, they lived and were based in Antwerp and yeah. So the first, my first season internationally was in Belgium and riding for freely bikes, uh, which was, yeah, it, it it felt kind of daunting to to pack up the car and move out there for, as kind of, um you know, still, still being quite young, but it was, it was good at the same time that I had my best friend with me and another friend that I'd known for a long time. And we were moving into a house where we knew um, we were going to be looked after and Welcomed, and yeah, going to a team where we knew we were going to be looked after and welcomed, so that made that made everything easier but um yeah my first my first year was I started well, and then I had a bit of a struggle mid season um just in the sense of I woke up one day and my heart rate was stupidly high, and I wasn't feeling ill or anything or and uh, that freaked me out a bit, so I went to say see a doctor. Um, in Belgium, and she, he said, "Oh, I'm just going to send you to someone else just to check." And then, soon, something that I thought was going to be a couple of days just off the bike resting turned into a, a month and a half of like specialist checks. Um. So yeah, my, my first year in Belgium was quite quite an interesting one, but um, the missing side of things was was brilliant. Kind of when I got back to it after my after my mid season, um breaks. Uh, yeah. It was a it was an unexpected thing, but at the time it was it was right to do all the necessary checks and
0: mm.
1: yeah. Um take take that time just to just to breathe.
0: So what was it that you had?
1: So basically they just um they wanted to uh they wanted to check that everything was okay with my heart. Um which was something quite important for me because i um growing up, one of my close friends passed away in his sleep, and yeah, it was kind of okay, it, it all kind of came back round at this at this moment and yeah when when one specialist looks at you and then sends you to another specialist and basically it wasn't it wasn't a mix up in the end, but the the specialist that I saw in Belgium wasn't a sports heart specialist. So she kind of she kind of did her checks and was like, oh, this looks a bit interesting, and not quite realizing how much exercise I did, or so on and so on. So I ended up I ended up basically going through all this procedure to see one of the top spot heart specialists in Belgium, and yeah, I did a few tests with him. So like an echo echocardiogram, so I did 24 hour ECG, and then a 48 hour ECG, and. Yeah, MRI and so on and so on. And I did this, did this all in Belgium. I was quite, quite well looked after. And um yeah, he just rang me up one morning. He says, Everything's fine. Um, you know, we just had to be careful and check. Um, you know, I'm I'm 100 percent happy with what I've saw. Basically, the first specialist didn't realise that you've the the, mus- the muscle around your heart, um and so on. And yeah, I'm gonna give you the Oakley to start racing in Training again, go and enjoy yourself. (laughs) So yeah, it was it was a month of you know kind of waiting to find out which which everything was okay, which at the time was a bit like oh it it took a lot longer than I thought it was going to do and did I remember it worrying it worrying me at the time because I missed a lot of races also and I was like oh I wonder if I'm you know because people were making obviously making sure that nothing happened to me and it was it was very much like oh I wonder if I'm going to ride a bike again at some point um but yeah it was uh it, i was given it all clear in the end and yeah nothing nothing wrong i was just a bit fatigued by the sound of it <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah it must have been a hard and worrying time for you
1: yeah but i uh i spent a good month in belgium just kind of enjoying myself and just relaxing i, I really really got to kind of see the other the other side of Belgium, if you will. I was, I was very serious when I got to Belgium and, you know, really wanted to become that professional cyclist and kind of in that mid-season month that I took off and I was eating all-you-can-eat ribs and drinking a few beers with friends and, yeah, kind of, kind of made, taught me a big lesson in the sense of learning to relax um, as a cyclist as well, actually.
0: In 2016, you joined and post Chain Reaction. How did that signing come about?
1: So... After the the year that I'd had with Billy Bikes, uh, I'd won an inter club at the end of the season. Uh, I'd done well uh, in the beginning. I'd done well in the middle, and yeah, just um, I believe there was someone. I believe it was Mark McNally at the time, and I'm possibly looking for a British rider, and my name had been thrown around a few a few times. And I just remember getting a message one day, basically saying, Oh. Um, you need to ring this guy from Ampost. You need to speak to him. Oh, he wants to speak to you. And I remember getting sent this number, picking up the phone and saying, Oh, hi, it's Jacob Scott. I believe you want to speak to me. Which strangely I was I remember being set outside the bike shop doing it. And um I was working still at the time. Um and this was yeah, coming coming into the winter. So it was it was quite not late, but yeah, I'd kind of already prepared to ride freely bikes for another year. And it was literally a phone call. And, yeah, at the end of the phone call, it was like, yeah, um, see what you can do. I know you've kind of committed to riding for Illy Bikes next year, but we want you. And, you know, this is obviously a step up to UCI level. Um, If you need me to speak to anyone, we're happy to speak to anyone. Um, But, yeah, we want you to come and race for us. You know, your name's been thrown about amongst us. And, yeah, we think think, um, that you know you'll, you'll suit, the, suit the team really well and yeah so I had a couple of couple of well a week really of um, just trying to work out what was the best thing to do with Illy Bikes and I was supported by Dave Rayner Fund at the time Pedal Potential and you kind of had to be had to be a little bit diplomatic about it saying you know if I move here is everyone okay with it and so on and so on and yeah Illy Bikes in the end agreed to it and Dave rainer Fund was of course happy with it and pedal potential. My other support was happy with it, and yeah, it was that was my first step up to UCI level. So, yeah, it kind of came around late, but then very quickly.
0: <laughs> when you first met your teammates, how did you find the team dynamic?
1: So, my first training camp, I actually found out the day before I was meant to be there, um, I'd messaged. Uh I messaged a friend in Belgium because he knew one of the years who worked for Ampost. Because you know it was it was a Belgian, as much as it was an Irish team, it was all set in Belgium. Um and I, he actually lived literally five minutes up the road from where I was living. And I said I messaged him and said, Oh, I haven't I haven't heard from anyone from Ampost in literally the last few weeks. Um, you know, I know they normally have a winter training camp around this time, but I haven't heard anything. And he messaged this one year who I yet didn't know and he said he sent me a message he said you better pack your bags you're supposed to be on training camp tomorrow and I was like oh I hadn't I, I, I hadn't heard anything no one had sent me an email or anything and yeah it was just literally a miss a mishap and a miscommunication of things and yes yeah, so I remember packing my bags pretty quickly and kind of I won't say being thrown into it but yeah turning being booked a flight to Cal Bay, the next morning and yeah turning up to yeah a new a new team if you will and um it was the first year of ampost was very yeah it's very different when you're a, when you're a younger rider walking into an older team um it's like i said it can be it can be quite daunting and the funny that well i'll say the funny thing is that the thing with ampost in 2016 was there were a lot of good riders there, but a lot of good riders that were, I would say, unsure about where they wanted to go with their career. Yeah. So it was very hard to kind of be positive at points because a lot of them were ready for quitting, and a few of them were quite negative. So you kind of go out of training and be like, "Oh yeah, you don't need to be doing this. You don't need to be doing that." And you you'd be thinking, "Well, hold on, this is the way I've been I've been taught to do things." And yeah, so I found I found that battle quite hard, but the the younger guys amongst the team were uh were yeah really a really good group of lads and kind of settled settled in well with them and yeah as much as I, I was on a lot of races and a lot of training camps with the older lads and yeah never had anything against them and got along with them, you know, all, all super well. But yeah, the at the end of the year out of 16 riders there were only three of us kind of left slash stayed. <laughs> So yeah, there was a there was a very big turnaround the first year, but I had mm. I kind of turned up and yeah, as as this late addition to the team, if you will, I was everything very much thinking, oh you know, Ampost has a massive race calendar, I'm sure I'll get to do something um, with these older lads on the team. You know, I might not be able to do exactly what I want or as much as I want, but the best way of showing it is on this December training camp and then the January training camp. Mm. Um and yeah kind of turned up on the January training camp as well and yeah just I will not say tried to tried, just really tried to show who I was and yeah we had some kind of simulation races and some long training rides and yeah kind of got put in the first race of the season and went from there I think I ended up doing the most races uh, out of the team that year so yeah kind of unexpected in a way but it was a great. It was a great way to introduce myself to um, to UCI team because I don't think I've, I don't think I've done as many race days in a year since.
0: <laughs> that season, you did your first tour of Britain. Talk me through what that was like and the racing experience that it gave you.
1: Yeah, so tour of Britain, it, it's as for a British rider, it's obviously, it's, it's the one you want to go to and. Kind of, you know, as much as Ampost was an Irish class Belgium team, it was, you know, obviously I felt very close to Britain and chain reaction um was is British. Uh, so it was it was still quite big and quite yeah, it was it was quite prestigious and yeah, it was um a shock to kind of turn around in the end and have the manager say, Yeah, you're going to Tour of Britain. Yeah. Uh, but I think he was very he was very ready just to kind of after all the races I'd done that year, he was very ready just to kind of put me on the next step, just to see in seeing exactly where I could, I could go. Um, But yeah, it's always, it's always difficult because Tour of Britain is, it's a six man team. And a lot of races you go to can be seven man teams or eight man teams. And especially back in 2016, a lot of, a lot of races were eight man teams. Now it's, now it's, now it's seven. So yeah, when you go to Tour of Britain and it's six, it's, it's suddenly like it can be very difficult to get into that, that six sometimes. And, you know, even even now with, um, you know, when I've been at Swift and Canyon, Tour of Britain comes down and you think, ooh, you know, i am, am I going to get in the team? And, yeah, to kind of be rewarded at the end of that season and just go into it with absolutely no pressure whatsoever other than just ride the bike race, settle amongst the world's, or some of the world's biggest teams was, was yeah, uh a great a great way to start my first tour of britain so yeah i was i was quite obviously very happy at the time with it but it was it's just amazing to the first experience of racing on home roads was was great and um yeah one a memory that kind of yeah especially for a tour of britain that i always remember
0: you continued riding for and post in 2017 that year you did quite a bit of racing in belgium how did you find travelling out and spending weeks out in Europe?
1: So from at the end of 2015, when I moved to Ampost, well, like kind of one of the conditions of being on, shall we say, the Dave Brainer Fund, and one of the conditions of being at Pedal Potential were to stay out in Europe. So the, tran- the transition was actually went very smoothly for me in the sense of, where I stayed or where I lived in 2015 was very close to... You know, Belgium was quite a small country or a very small country. So to get around it is is easy and simple. But I think, as I mentioned earlier, this one year, I lived five, ten minutes up the road from where I used to live. So it was a it was a pretty easy decision with the Dave Rayner fund and pedal potential in the team just to stay out in Belgium. Um, I didn't... I don't remember coming back that often other than in the winter, um, kind of when the season was done, I'd always, I'd always come home. Um, but yeah, I, I I really, it was so much easier living out there. I think with the amount of race days I did and the amount of travelling that I did from Belgium itself, um, to have then added on the British side of things would have been, yeah, very difficult. I think I'd have had to even miss certain races or I wouldn't have maybe got so many races and. Yeah, it was, It was from a financial point of view, it was actually easy to stay in Belgium also.
0: So you went back and competed in the Tour of Britain for the second time that year. This time you came away with second in the mountains classification. Can you tell me about the stages and what it was like being in the running for that mountains classification?
1: Uh, yeah, it was, again, it was... I remember kind of going in and wanting to do something, shall we say more. I'd gotten a lot of breakaways that year. I'd been going well up to the Tour of Britain. Um, and yeah, we kind of went there and got in the breakaway and kept getting in the breakaway and then kept going for the mountains classification. We kind of wanted to again show that I was a British rider on British roads. And um, yeah, it it's... It had come to the point in the end. I think we finished in finished in Wales that year, and I can't quite think which city we finished in. However, we got to like I I hadn't worn the jersey for the first couple of days, and then I kind of said to myself, "Oh, I want to I want to get a KOM skin suit and I want to ride the time trial in like a different in a different skin suit. Just I thought oh, I thought kind of still being younger, I thought, "Oh, that'd be nice, a nice thing to do." and yeah, I, I kind of rode into the time trial in the, in the skin suit, got it, I think, the day before or a couple of days before. And I wore it right up until stage eight. Um, and then kind of set off from stage eight. Really tried my best to get in the break and uh, like kind of cement the jersey, if you will, because I knew it was still close. And I just kind of remember putting so much effort into secure the jersey. That I actually put too much effort in because it was it was kind of one of those starts where there was never going to be a breakaway allowed to go, and I remember getting to the first kom, KOM classification and you know nothing had gone, and I was just absolutely spent, and I just remember starting this climb and thinking I just haven't got any any energy left, um so yeah I think I lost I think somebody said, I still haven't looked at it but. I think I either lost the jersey by one point or I lost it on time difference in the end. But yeah, tried to, uh, I tried to come back with a vengeance the <laughs> years after.
0: So the following year you signed for One Pro Cycling. What were some of the highs and lows from your year with that team?
1: Yeah, so what, One Pro was a, was a team that had obviously been Pro Continental before I joined them. Um, so that was kind of the first big thing that attracted me to them. Um, it was, you know, the, the, the phone calls I'd had with them was very much, yeah, we're looking to go professional continental again. And, yeah, we want you to join to build that structure to then for us to progress more. Um, and we are obviously sp- sponsored by OnePro that year, being in the team name um but Aston Martin also so you know that's a that's a massive iconic British brand to be sponsored by so there was no reason why you'd for example why you think that the team couldn't go professional continental again but yeah it was it was a very difficult it was a very difficult season I had I kept I kept getting sick a lot and I'd had um yeah sorry if you can if you can hear something that's that's my dog with its water bowl. <laughs> He's not, he's not helping me out at the moment, but yeah, I, I got, I got sick an awful lot and I think But the first half of the year I'd had like, um, I'd had three, three sets of antibiotics and I kept getting tonsillitis. Um, so to kind of get, um to kind of get a, a foot, a foot on the ground in the season um, didn't, yeah, it didn't. It didn't really start the way I wanted it to, and yeah, struggled kind of right up until mid-season. So, so 2018 was difficult, and but I did. I did a lot of, a lot of. Um, I started tour of Yorkshire that year, um, which was always, which was a massive, a massive thing for me. And you know, obviously being being from Yorkshire, and yeah, it was a stage race I always wanted to do, and I I never done it with Ampost, and mm-hmm. yeah, moved to a one pro and kind of ticked that box early on but again I remember kind of being more and it was more of a personal thing as well I was more of a supporting role that year I kind of still wanted to show what I could do they understood that I'd been ill a lot but I wanted to show that I could go to the professional continental level ranks if and when they decided to to do so and yeah it kind of got to the end of the year and there wasn't much much noise about it and then um, Tour of Britain came around and uh, I've been told kind of a few weeks before that I probably wouldn't be going. And I um, went to the last British race, which was Rydale. And, you know, kind of, it was raining, hammering it down. I had one of my best races the whole season, literally a week before Tour of Britain. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, is, is anything going to change? for us? And it didn't. Um, so I kind of, I, I booked to go to Belgium again because, yeah, it was, it was very, it was a, an easy move to go back. I've been in Britain all season. Um, and I thought I'd just go and finish the season racing commissaries to prepare for next year. Because um, I didn't, I didn't want to end my season early, and it was a, a a big disappointment not going to Tour of Britain that year, especially with, with um, you know, I've been all over the TV the year before, and all over the all of the race in the breakaway again, again the year before, and yeah, I remember being sat in a cafe in Belgium getting a phone call of yeah, um, the 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 put me as reserve. And the coach rang me and he said, you know, obviously we're past we're past the point where you're going to be flying Tour Britain now. All the riders are fit and, fit and healthy. And, um, yeah, uh, I've got some other bad news as well. Uh, unfortunately, there's going to be no team next year. So that was that was like I sat in a cafe and I was like, oh, we're, we're, we're quite late here. We're in, we're in September. Um, obviously, it's you no know, standard Tour of Britain time. And yeah, it was just like, oh, what am I going to do now? And I'd I'd done these commiss races and I had a real amount of good commiss races and a couple of months ticked by and I'd, I'd stayed in Belgium, you know, a lot a lot of my friends are there. And I was just kind of waiting to hear what I was doing in 2019. And mm. yeah, nothing nothing really came about. Yeah, it was um it was an amazing, it was amazing kind of uh team in a sense to be a part of with the, shall we say, the prof- the professionalism of the, uh, you know, they had the big bus and everything else and things were always right and so on and, you know, if you, in a sense of wages, you know, there was nothing to worry about there or um, anything and the, the structure was right and, yeah, so to kind of be put in that situation and yeah, to have it end like that, but, yeah, I got some I got some amazing experiences also. So with the uh, Aston Martin sponsorship, we got a, an amazing track day where I got to basically go and drive a load of Aston Martins around the racetrack, which was, you know, some an experience that I'll never, I'll never. Well, I may, I may get it again at some point. Who knows? But yeah, it was an experience that yeah, money can't buy really. So yeah, um, a little, a little, a little positive to perhaps take away from a uh, what was a really, a really. Downer of a season, I guess. So in
0: 2019, you moved to Swift Carbon Pro Cycling, and that year you got fourth in the Sickle Classic. What was that race like?
1: uh Yeah, it was a good one. So 2019 obviously came came with its challenges from the end of 2018. I moved. The plan was to, you know, I had a plan in my head to kind of stay in Belgium with a team and. Yeah, kind of last minute. I had a I had a message from a friend, and he was like, "Oh, there's a new there's a new continental team starting up. It's going to form from this team, and it's possibly going to be called this team. This is the guy that you need to email, um, or message, or ring." So I had a I had a message with this chap, and yeah, he said, "Yeah, we're looking at starting a UCI team. I'll go in UCI next year, and it's going to be called Swift Carbon. And I was like, "Great, have you got a spot for me?" He said, "Yeah, we've got we've got a spot for you. You know, this is what we're looking at doing." Obviously we're new to the, we're new to the continental setup, so we'd appreciate any advice. These are riders that we're gonna have. Um, and it was a few lads that I'd rode with before, and yeah, uh, another lad that had been out in Belgium with me. And um, yeah, so it felt it felt quite strange, but I kind of gone from earning a good a good wage at OnePro to going back to what was what you could class as the lowest UCI continental team in Britain, you know, that just set up the budget wasn't massive. It was very much of a, what should we say? It was, it was like being in a family more than kind of being in a team. You know, everyone really looked after each other and you did the best for each other and the team that you could. Um, so yeah, that, that came with that and I was working alongside it so at the end of 2018 it was like right how am I going to get through 2019 to give myself a chance you know I still want to ride a bike um, but I need to it's not just you know I can't just earn nothing Um, so yeah I I I rang my friend up said oh can I can I have a can I have a full time job back in the bike shop (laughs) Um, I know I know I like you know I haven't worked there the last year or so but I'd always done something in the winter and he said, yeah, we said, you know, we'll sort you out. You just be as straightforward with me as you can about races and um, we'll go, we'll go from there. So I worked all season and then I started mountain biking and we had kind of this run up to sickle. So I'd done a bit of mountain biking. We hadn't done a lot of road races, but then we'd done um, a stage race called Loire and and uh, it's a, four or five day stage race in France and it's really hard it's you know it's a continental level race um, but a great opportunity to get fit and I remember coming out of there and I looked funnily enough I looked at my training this week of what I did and I think between that stage race and Sickle Classic I rode my bike for about we finished that on Sunday and obviously Sickle was the next Sunday I think I rode my bike about five or six hours that week so I really hadn't ridden a lot um but i came into sickle fresh and yeah kind of it's one of those races where you don't you don't well yeah you don't need any bad luck unless it can be race over um i don't remember having having any bad luck i might have had a punch on one of the sectors but got back um but yeah i just remember it kind of i hadn't had many results before then and kind of the the fourth at sickle that year was a, a big boost to kind of say oh I'm doing the right thing this year, you know. As much of a, as much as a struggle, it's kind of as it is working and training and going out in the evening when you get home and so on. You know, kind of finish work at five, home for ten past five, out on the bike at half past five, ride two hours, have your tea, go to bed, get up, work in the morning. Um, it was obviously a big, a big commitment in 2019. So when I got fourth at sickle, it was like, you know, it might actually be be worth it this year and yeah that was a that was a massive confidence boost for the for that season for sure.
0: You did another tour of Britain and this time you took away the mountains classification win did it mean even more to you to win that because of your battle for the KOM win in 2017?
1: Yeah it was it was it was massive in general I think just because of what I've mentioned previously there about, you know, just the difficulties of, that I had in 2019. Um, and yeah, it was, I remember, I remember crying after, after the tour of Britain in, um, where, where I lost out in 2017. I wrote, my, my mum would come down to visit me with my, uh, with my auntie and it was a complete surprise because I hadn't seen her for a long time. Um, or, or either of them for a long time you know I bumped into them that week but not really got to speak to them and I said oh you know we've come down to celebrate I was like oh well <laughs> there's not there's not much of a celebration anymore I remember crying there which is something I never do now you know but I remember just being younger and at that time it was very much if you kind of do these things you know you'll you'll progress further um, there was there was a time where you know if if you were to get a KOM classification in the of Britain, a lot of big teams would look at you and be like, oh yeah, you know, we'll give we'll give them a chance. And I was still the right age and yeah, but obviously younger than I was now. And yeah, it was a big disappointment at the time. So to go on and win it in 2019 after that kind of struggle, um, and the difficulty of the the that season in general was was massive because the talks that I had after. And you know, kind of where I went after with moving to Canyon and so on, just kind of showed me that, yeah, you know, it, it's it is worth. It was worth everything that I committed to in 2019. So Absolutely. yeah, it was. Um, it was. It was. It was. It was a great. It was great feeling to kind of stand in Manchester as well. Actually, I had a lot of family there, and uh, my mum. I think I remember actually my mum saying, and I'll mention this, but she said, um, she said, "Oh, I must have been the bad omen for coming down and surprising you." Um, in Wales, and then she obviously came to Manchester, and I think she kind of she kind of felt better after that. You know, she she said, "Oh yeah, it's, um, I must not be as as much of a bad omen as I thought." <laughs> so yeah, it was it was quite a special that one with it being finishing close to home as well.
0: Yeah, it must have been really special to have them there.
1: Yeah, definitely. It was. Um, yeah, it was just it was just one of the things that was lovely. It was my parents, and you know, close. Close family, my grandma and my best friend came to visit, and he just, um, he'd just had his his newborn child. So that was, yeah, that was lovely at the same time.
0: After a year with Swift Carbon, you moved to Canyon DHB. Sorry, how did that come about?
1: Uh, so it was, it was very much after um, after uh, I'd done well before the tour of Britain. So I'd won a, one of the national series, and I'd done a, I'd done a really strong ride in that and I'd gone solo into the finish in Bournemouth um, and there'd been a, a few talks and I'd, I'd always messaged Tim before because before I went to OnePro, I was also talking to, talking to Tim at Canyon and um, it was either OnePro or Tim. And yeah, he's, he's someone that I'd always messaged and the year before when I went to Swift, I was like, it, it kind of filled the team. And he, he said to me then, he was like, you know, if I could have, if I could make a spot for you, I would, but I just, I just can't, you know, you, you're late and, you know, he's, he wasn't anything against me. It was literally just, yeah, sorry. You know, we didn't know and expect one pro to fold. And yeah, this is a situation that we're now in. Um, so I'd always been kind of close with Tim in a sense. Um, I knew, I, I believe I was always a rider that he wanted on the team. So we'd had a conversation earlier that year and yeah, we, we, kind of turned up to the Isle of Man and I'd done well there. And he said, um we were staying quite close and he just said, oh, come and see me one night. I want to discuss a contract with you. And yeah, he kind of gave me, shall I say, the, the right terms of if I did better throughout this season, you know, it it we could we could see where I was at. And yeah, there was yeah, I got I got a ride for for Canyon next year, no matter what. Um so that was that was great to kind of be so late the year before, and then be nice and early for twenty twenty, if you will.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but then, yeah, we all we all know what happened in twenty twenty.
0: At the start of the year, you did some racing out in Spain and Tour of Antalya, the salmon and another race out in Belgium. What was the atmosphere like at these races as COVID was starting to come out?
1: Yeah, so when we were in Mallorca, we'd we'd done the training camp in Calpe. We'd flown to Mallorca, we'd had a really good race in Mallorca. That felt very, very normal. And then a couple of weeks, two weeks later, we went to Antalya and there was obviously all in the news about COVID and so on, and it being in China and, you know, we were thinking, oh, it's in China. It's never going to find its way to Britain or anywhere else in Europe, is it? And then kind of all blasé. Flew to Turkey and we flew into uh, Istanbul um, to kind of for for a flight transfer down to Antalya. And it was only when we arrived in Istanbul, the kind of airport was really quiet, which I thought was strange. Um, And Istanbul is a massive transfer for, for China. So a lot of Chinese people fly to Istanbul and then transfer to wherever they go. And I remember getting off the plane and seeing people in masks. I'm thinking, what's going on here? Like, you know, you know, you know that there's COVID going on in China and so on, but why's why's why, is, why, is, why are people wearing masks? And yeah, that was kind of my first sense of, well, this feels really weird. Mm. And we we'd done Turkey and everything again, everything there was felt fine and obviously no restrictions like what we what we had, or there was no sense of that whatsoever. Um and then, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd come back and I was preparing for uh, the Samien. and there was more rumours and, you know, oh, they found it, say, like, in the Alps, you know, people, that's when all the ski, ski chalets had it or so on. Um, done Samhain and, again, the crowds were, were fine. They were big. It was normal. We'd gone to Monterey. It was normal. We'd come back and there was more rumours of it spreading further into Europe and then, like, say, the first case in Britain. And, you know, we're still kind of thinking, oh, yeah, you know, it's not, it's not serious here. Um, and then I remember travelling to, we were going to a race called Ronde van Dremf, which is like a, a classics type race in in Holland. And we set off and there'd been whispers of, of stuff happening before and races possibly being cancelled. And we got all the way to Antwerp, literally just picked my Belgian teammate up in the camper van. Uh, he'd been in the camp on 10 minutes and then we got a message we'd seen like one race had been cancelled somewhere one race had been cancelled and we were like oh we're doing a big race you know it'll be fine there'll, there'll be nothing to worry about and then first minute it was like oh the women's Ronde van Drenthe is cancelled and we're like mm. hold on a second two minutes mm. later it was like yeah the men's Ronde van Drenthe is now cancelled and we're like oh right we're in Antwerp <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know we've technically still got like another three and a half hours to travel or or something and yeah, we turned around, literally dropped my teammate back off um, where we picked him up from 20 minutes twenty minutes later um, and got back home to Britain. And I think everyone, I remember kind of sending a message, a message to the lad who I used to work for. And I said, oh, you know, I don't know how long this is going to be off. Can I, can I come and work back in the bike shop for a bit? Because, you know, we might be off for a month here or so. You know. we, we knew it was going to be a bit of a break. I, you know, I, I want something to do, um, and yeah, I think he thought I think he thought I was joking. I was like, oh no, it's 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 really serious. Like the UCI are talking about not running races for the foreseeable future. Um, so yeah, I went I went back to work pretty pretty quickly. Strangely, and then ov- obviously the COVID restrictions massively hit. I think a week or two weeks after we we'd been there, and yeah, the bike shop was still allowed to allowed to open for a mode of transport and you know form of exercise so yeah I kept I kept quite busy throughout 2020 if you will and yeah it was kind of a kind of a quite quite a nice way to spend it but I look back and I remember I was going so well in New York Uh, I'd had a bit of bit of not not so good in Antalya but then I came to the classics racing that you know we were just about to we were, well, we were more getting into uh, with Sam Yen and Montserrat, and I was absolutely flying. I was probably in the best condition in the early season that I've ever, I've ever had. And I just, when I think back on twenty twenty, now, I think if that season would have been allowed to to play itself out the way that I always thought, um, you know, I'd I'd love to see where where it could have taken me, and that's that's kind of a question, shall we say, that I'll I'll never have an answer to. <laughs>
0: Sounds like you were quite lucky to be working in the bike shop so that you had something to do in lockdown when a lot of people couldn't really leave the house at all.
1: Yeah, very. It was, yeah, I mean, I have, I have my dog, which you've heard throughout, um, shall we say. Um, so I, w- I was obviously allowed to go out and walk in. I was working at the bike shop and then obviously trying to train and I kind of felt... Not not guilty at points, but it was like, you know, I have actually got genuine reasons to be to be out here. And, you know, obviously some people were not allowed to be out, some people were in flats, and you know, we're very lucky with where we live. And, you know, it's all very, very outdoorsy. Um you know, I, I was still at mum and dad's and we, we've got a nice garden and everything, but obviously a dog, a dog can't be walked in a garden. I couldn't work through a bike shop at home and I couldn't Obviously, you know, I was allowed out for for sporting exercises as an elite cyclist. Um, so yeah, I was I was very lucky, and but it dawned on me a lot of probably how unlucky some people were, and so on. You know, with the there was a lot on the news about people living in flats in London, and it was kind of like oh, I kind of feel like I'm in a different world to everyone else at some points. But I was still very very aware of COVID, and yeah, not not be, being careful, shall we say? I kept kept Myself to myself, very much.
0: You continued to ride for Canyon DHB God in 2021 and your season started with some Belgian races in March and then Tour de la Mirabelle in May. How did you feel your season started?
1: Oh, not as good as I'd hoped. <laughs> I remember so it was kind of from, from the year before we'd had the training camp into a nice succession of races before Samyen. Um, and then 2021 with all the restrictions and so on, I'd missed the kind of abroad training. I missed the Tour of Antalya, the the Challenge Mallorca. and I tried to kind of train similar, but obviously at home in Yorkshire. And I remember getting to Samian flying, but we had a bit of we had a bit of bad luck with the team, and yeah, was just had a really unlucky day, and I remember being really frustrated. And I think that frustration kind of carried on throughout the first half of the season. Everything just felt wrong. Like we we jumped on new bikes and it was still canyons, but a new kind of frame and just couldn't quite couldn't quite get things right. And it took to the middle of the season I went to um I went to see my bike. We've been to tour of Slovenia. Um I kind of done some good racing in Slovenia, but still not where I wanted to be, but done some nice. Things where it was kind of like, I've got, I am going well and I'm, I am good, but I'm still not quite the mentality of, yeah, I can win here or I can do this, which is when I get in a rhythm, it's very easy for me to, to be like that. Um, Yeah, it took me to go and see my bike fit uh, guy and I spent a couple of hours with him, just re-went over everything and, you know, looked at everything and, yeah, he said, you know, give it, give it two weeks now, give it a week, see how you feel. Um, and I remember we had Otley Crit and then Ilkley Criterium, Um and I turned up to Otley and I was going quite well with this new position and I was like, yeah, I feel, I feel comfy. You know, it, it, it was actually a big, drastic change to where I'd been before position-wise and I felt good at felt good at Otley, but not, you know, winning Otley. And then we kind of went to Ilkley and Oakley's a really tight circuit with the climbing. And yeah, I was just like when sometimes when Tim shows up to races, you get, he get I say he, he gives you a good mentality. He's like, yeah, I wanna I wanna rip this race to pieces. And you know, by the end of it I want like a you know, a one, two, three or something like that, you know, and, and you kind of if if you buy into it, you can get really Really hyped up by it, and yeah, I kind of came out with Ilkley and um, Reese had won. I was second, um, and Thomas Main, my other teammate, was third. So we did it. You know, one, two, three that night, and yeah, that was the kind of first race where I thought, oh, I sat on the front. I'd started at the back, moved up, ridden over everyone, and then just kind of set set the pace most of the race to to make the group as small as possible. Um, and we had done we done that as a team, and I did I did a lot of that work, and I bought into that. But then the difference was that compared to previous races, is that I had that power in the end to then like attack over other riders and follow other moves to then kind of ride solo to second, and that was the kind of switch that I think ignited me into 2021. Um, but yeah, it was it was half the season basically gone by by then. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so so a bit later than planned, but yeah, glad. glad if sometimes I remember an old teammate always said, um, you can always you can always count on Jake, if he's not flying in the beginning of the season, he'll be flying at the end.
0: Well, you're definitely flying in September for the Tour of Britain. It was massive for you. In the first day, you were in the break and won the first two KOMs and sprints. Talk me through that first day.
1: Yeah, so we t- we turned up to um, we turned up to Britain, and I'd been on a really good I'd been on a really good run of form since I'd won the national XM championships. I was going well in the foreign races, I was going well in the British races we'd done, um, and yeah, just I just run into it going on a on a nice on a nice cloud of form, if you will. And we turned up, and I remember we had the meeting in the campervan and. Tim kind of said to me, he was like, uh KOMJs this year spot, which is my nickname. If anybody doesn't know that, you know, the spot. Um, and he's like, he's like, what are you wanting to do this year? And I was like, oh, I really, I really don't know. You know, part of me, you know, I've already I've already won a KOMJ's in the Tour of Britain. And it's not that it's above me, but it's my sense of I'd quite like to do something different. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it was like, oh, a day a day in the break on the first day isn't too bad and Tim had kind of said to me well say so how you feel you know we're going to put you on breakaway duty as a as a person you know there's going to be four of you looking for it or three of you looking for it you're one of them so yeah that's absolutely fine because you know the first day is going to end in the sprint and I'm not me sprinting on the first day of a stage race I won't I won't really get very far um because I'm not I'm not an out and out sprinter I need like a few days in me and a hard stage race to be feeling kind of, I, I get better throughout. So maybe in a sprint at the end of a stage race or the right sprint, I can, I can do something. and So it was kind of, the opportunity came about and I jumped and then it was like, oh, the KOM points came up and I took them. Um, and then the sprint points came up and I was like, right, well, I'll do both. And, you know, if I miss out on KOM jersey by one point, at least we've got the sprint jersey because the sprint... The sprint jersey sponsored by iceberg who were uh, sponsored canyon for uh, uh an awful long time so to kind of you know make make them happy as a sponsor as well it was um that was in the back of my mind but yeah i had um i obviously had both jerseys by the end of the first stage and it was very much like oh well you know at least i've i've kind of ticked that box and if it doesn't go right this week now then Hey ho! And then the second stage kind of jumped, jumped into that, and it was like, oh, I'm in the breakaway again. And yeah, it didn't, that actually? It didn't take much to, or it didn't feel like it took much to get into it. Um, and then yeah, it was it was just kind of like again, it kind of domino effect from there. It was like a lot more media and stuff, and a lot more hype around me. And there was the there was the statistic with COVID that I was like no-one had worn a KOM jersey in the Tour of Britain since 2018 or something, because I'd done all eight stages, I think, of 2019 Tour of Britain, missed a year during the COVID, and then started the first stage Tour of Britain, second stage Tour of Britain with KOM jersey, first stage Tour of Britain with KOM jersey, and then it, it kind of moved from the KOM jersey to, oh, he's got both jerseys, can he keep them both? So I kind of rolled into that thing then of like, yeah, you know, the team's still not sure what he's doing again next year. What can I do to give the team as much media as possible? And yeah, just went went after two jerseys in the end. And part of me was a bit, I don't think cocky is the word, but I was a bit like, if I can get both of the jerseys sealed by stage six, or at least get enough of a buffer where, you know, people won't even think about taking them off me, I can rise stage seven and stage eight exactly the way I want. Which some people would probably say, oh, after being in the breakaway for six stages or having the team time trial as well, that's probably saying, you know, you've got you've got the best legs ever or something like that. But I I do get better by stage races, and um, the last kind of three stages have come around, and I, the third to last stage was like rolling into Newcastle. It's a stage that suits me perfectly, um, and there was a big breakaway gone up the road to kind of mop up all the points and they were all first cat climbs that day so there was ended up being think eight riders up the road and i it turned out if i took the last points on the road um that i could win the win the k o m jersey that day so I, I rode kind of as easy as possible to set the points and but to also set myself up for the for the finish or to set us up for the finish and literally, I remember coming into the last climb where it was all going to split and everyone knew it was going to split before the finish. And I punched, or I double punched. And I was like, oh. And I thought, oh, I'll come back through the convoy and I'll get in just before the climb. And then we the kind of, some people know the word, but yeah, they, sometimes they, they stop you coming back in the convoy, they call it a barrage. And yeah, I got barraged. And yeah, it was like, oh, that's that was, it, it was strange. And I hadn't been disappointed that week And I was suddenly disappointed because I was like, I've got such good legs. I still feel good. I've I've prepared for this. And yeah, the kind of the one stage that really suited me out of all of them. Um, This happened. And I I remember stood on the podium and I was really disappointed. And everyone was like, you've just sealed the KOM jersey. You've basically just sealed the Sprint's jersey. Why are you you disappointed? I was like, I just wanted... After everything that I've done this week, I just wanted that one that one kind of one day where it just be like, I can actually have a stage result. And yeah, I just really remember being disappointed and it seems stupid now, but yeah, at the same time, I think as a as a cyclist, you always want to get the best out of yourself. And especially when you're in such when I was in such good form, it was like, yeah, it's it's a shame to shame to have that issue. But yeah, it finished it finished perfectly in the end and yeah. Sealed both jerseys on that on that day at the same point and yeah, rode the last two stages out of one and got awarded with um most so we came to the 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 um the stage in Aberdeen and obviously you know it's it's a finishing podium. Um and uh I remember I was like, oh yeah, I've got two trips to the podium with the CM jersey and the points jersey. You know, it's nice. We're gonna stand on the podium more than anyone here. And um I remember uh, somebody coming to get me and saying oh you know you're on the podium first and I was like oh like we'd, we'd put the um, we'll put the podium jerseys on on every other stage before we went onto the stage so I was expected to be handed the jersey and I was very much like oh like right, jersey it's like um, is, is this not for the points classification there's the the first award that was being handed out and I didn't know but I'd been awarded most aggressive rider throughout the tour as well. Um, so that was a massive, a massive surprise and something that, yeah, I was very kind of proud of um, as well, because it, it was just, it was just that surprise. So I ended up having free trips to the podium that day and yeah, brought, brought a lot of flowers and, and uh, wine and ETC home, as well as jerseys and cuddly toys <laughs>
0: What was it like going up on the podium and being at the start of races with some big, like world tour riders, and sort of knowing that you were you were being bombarded with the media just as much as they were?
1: Yeah, it's it's a very funny it's a very funny thing because you kind of you don't say for example the best the best explanation is what art, you don't really. See him in many races, and then he came to Tour of Britain, and then for so many days I was still on the front row with him. You know, I'd probably never ever go up to him in a race or and just decide to chat with him. But when you're on the front of the start line, most days, you know, you just make polite and light conversation. You have, you know, a bit of a talk and a bit of a laugh just before the stage starts, just just to kind of relax. And yeah, it kind of kind of got quite quite used to that. But I also learned a lot is from professional rider point of view where you see the guys that do media an awful lot for me it was it was very important because of everything that was going on with the team so as much media and TV time that I could get to put Canyon which you know we, we were at the time on the TV I was doing because Tim was having some good conversations and with with uh, sponsors and you know just wanted to keep keep getting the team out there and yeah but as from someone like from Van Hart, you know, he was very much, I want to get, I want to do the least possible and get things done at ASAP. And if you're not ready when I'm ready, I'm not doing it, <laughs> which, which to me seemed like mad, but then it, I completely understand as well, because, you know, when you, when you deal with me just as much as he does, and some of the riders like Philippe does, you know, you, you come to a race like Tour of Britain and you're a bit like, oh, I don't want to be bombarded. I'm, I'm I'm, I'm out of here ASAP so yeah it was it was a surreal experience in some senses but like before the race because a lot a lot, lot of people are calm before the race and that's the best time to to have that kind of conversation with them but after the race much stressy because they want to you know get in the bus and get to the next hotel so yeah but yeah very a very different feeling to um, to be stood on on the front and just chatting with some of the best guys in the world if you will
0: the season finished for you with the national champs where you finished 12th. Were you happy with how your season went?
1: Yes, the the, the back end especially. I'd say the last the last three or four months was, was something that if someone would have told me before um, that I was going to win my first national title in a discipline that, you know, I'd, I'd, as much as I'd grown up with it as a youth in, in mountain biking and, Everything I'd have been like, yeah, really, or you know, I, I went to the national XAM champs just kind of as a training, as a training ride, but I was flying, so I made the most of it. Um, but yeah, it was it was a surreal, it was a surreal kind of domino effect after that, in the sense of the national championships, then the national series title, and then represe- representing Great Britain at the worlds. Um, between that, winning the jerseys at the Tour of Britain and like you said all all the media to kind of go with that and all the support that I had to go and race the world championships in Alba with uh, my crowdfunding and everything else and it was just yeah it was it was quite amazing and gave me a massive a massive confidence boost once again of yeah you know I really I still really want to get somewhere in this sport and although it might be getting difficult as you as you get older and People are getting more phenomenal at a younger age. Um, you know, I've still got a, I've still got a massive hunger for it, and I can still still do something in the sport. So, yeah, give giving me a good drive, I think,
0: for this year again. Can you tell me about your trip to compete in the mountain bike marathon world championships in Elba, Italy?
1: It was very long. That was, that was, uh, that was, that that's one way of putting it. Um, but yeah, it started, it started from the beginning. Um, after winning the national, the national championships, it was very much like, oh, you know, there is, the, there is a world championships for, um, for XCM. How do I go about going there and kind of message British Cycling? And I'd heard a few other guys that were, basically already on the list for going. And I was like, well, hold on a minute. I'm national champion in this country. How come I haven't been asked to go? And I kind of messaged British guys at British Psych and I was like, I want to go to the World XCM champs. How do we make that happen? And they were like, oh yeah, you know, it's very much self-funded and so on. And it's more about paying for yourself. And right, like, okay. Um so if I, you're telling me if I can pay for myself, I can go. And be like, yeah. So it's like, all oh, right, um, I'd love to do it. Elba's a long way away, you know. So I started looking at the logistics. I think I spent a few days, a few days, really looking at it. I was like, oh, this is this is getting pricey. Um, and I was, it was very, yeah, it was kind of like, right, I've got tour of Britain coming up. I need to focus on that. And between tour of Britain, it was kind of like, I've got so much social media. Um, I really want to go to the world and my girlfriend had said it and my good friend who's the mechanic at, at the team said you know now is the best time if you're going to do it four days into the stage race while well, everything that you've got going on to start a crowdfunding page if you want to go so I thought well it's not something that I'd, I'd ever expect to, to do like I, I, I don't really like asking people for money it seems really really odd for me i've always been very much i've go to work and i'll make i'll make money by working so to kind of have that thrown at me and yeah it was it was surreal i think i set a target 2000 pound and that was underlining it that was like i'm i'm putting money towards it um so i set the target at 2000 pound i think I set it before i had gone to dinner looked at it halfway through dinner just as like um I just showed I just showed everyone that I'd set it up and it was already at like 1500 pound in the wow. space of a think like an hour or something you know I, I I put my phone down for dinner um and then so like, oh, looks like looks like I'm going to world championships and like if it continues like this and I remember waking up the next morning I think it was like at 3500 wow and I was just like, oh, "Oh, I'm definitely going to the World Championships." But I was, I was, I was blown away by the fact on some of the donations that people had, people had given me. And yeah, again, it kind of built from there. Like those people, you know, what can we do to help you more, and what can we do to get you there? And you know, I'd said because the mechanic, Owen, had said to me in the first place, you know, you need to set up a crowdfunding page if you want to go and it said to me before, if you want to go, I will, I will drive, you know, don't, don't worry about looking for a driver or don't worry about paying anyone or, you know, I will do this trip with you if you want to go. And this was before crowdfunding. So it was only natural that as a good friend and as a mechanic that Owen would come with me. And yeah, there was, there was, I'd, it probably would have worked out if we Possibly could have taken another pe- person that might have been better. But at the at the same time, I always been like a, a good friend for a long since I joined in 2020. And yeah, it was a it was a great trip to to have with him. And we'd we'd done the um I'd won the national series on Sunday, drove down south, I think, on Monday night, and we set off Tuesday, drove all the way to Mont Blanc. Um Stayed in Mont Blanc Tuesday night, drove down to Elbert, got across there Wednesday or Thursday, it might have been, and then I had, yeah, a couple of days before. Um, but it was re- it was it was a very strange trip because on the drive down from Mont Blanc and from um from Ashford, where we where we'd basically set off from, I don't remember the trip because I spent so much time on the phone trying to speak to people about going at stuff to do in, or basically contracting this year. Because we, we still wasn't sure what was happening with Tim and Canyon. Um, you know, I had a lot of media and a lot of results at the end of last year. And there was a lot of talk about, you know, going, going perhaps to a, to a higher level. And There was people putting me in touch with people, and you know, it was it, a lot of. I'd say I lost, I, I lost a lot of a lot of energy worrying about contracts in 2022. You know, as much as much as of an experience, and I'll always remember the experience of going to the World Champs and racing the World Champs in Elba. It, I'll always remember the same point of those, like speaking to just so many people trying to nail a contract for 2022 so yeah it was as as, as good a trip as it was it was also a frustrating one with the road side of things but yeah a, a great trip nonetheless and we had um we had a few stop-offs on the way back just uh just to break it up
0: so now we're in 2022 and you've already done some racing both internationally and nationally and on the mountain bike. Most recently, you did the Sickle Classic, where you finished third. Can you tell me about that race and your season so far?
1: Yeah, so this, this season has been... Whew, how would I explain this season so far? A whirlwind of emotions. Um, so, things has got confirmed for us to move ahead in 2022. Um. With 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 Sun God, you know, so we've lost we've lost the Canyon in the DHP this year. Um, now called with Sun God, God. Uh, things kind of fell in place. So yeah, I could give I can could slash can give it another full season, pretty much pretty much full gas, and yeah, not not be working so much this year. Um, and then yeah, everything was going pretty well. Kind of had COVID over Christmas, which was you know no. A bit, bit of a stress at the time, but again, probably the perfect point to have it. Um, kind of come back round from that, and we were, um, we were in Calpe on training camp. I had to come home from Calpe early because of some, some family issues, and yeah, it's it's been every time I've kind of, shall we say, got a foot back on the ground. Something else has cropped up, or something else has cropped up, and yeah, I've had I've had another another focus this year other than cycling and um, thankfully the, the the team understood that and they understood the, understood the problems that um, me and my girlfriend have encountered at the beginning of this year um, and I was given time to time to shall we say sort sort the things out that needed to be sorted and yeah I spent spent the last kind of three months having that different focus and you know, as much as I've still been trying to train and everything, um, this was this was a a, a big life life changing um, situation, and yeah, something that I'm also proud of myself that I think I've dealt with pretty well, and still been riding the bike. So to um, to come back round to to where we are now, only shall I say, the last couple of weeks has has been a normal training routine, a normal eating routine, um, a bit better weather which has helped as well <laughs> um, and that was yeah my run up to Sickle Classic, I'd obviously raced a bit in between um, so I'd done Antalya, I did the first race in, in Spain with a team um, and yeah I'd, I'd done Montserrat and I think i done, done done a couple of others in between and it's been it's been a hard a hard balance with everything else that I've kind of had going on and yeah up until kind of last week I, I turned around and said to team I said I think i'm I'm in a place now where I couldn't really push on this season you know thank you for for giving me the time to to sort things out and and letting me have the time to do that um you know because they were they were very understanding with the situation that we had had fussed upon us, if you will, and Mm. yeah, I turned around and said, look, I'm ready, I'm ready to race now again, like really race. And um, I said, you know, I know I'm good. I said, I don't know, I can be good in a, in a short time. And Yeah, kind of the last two weeks of, or last, last week or two weeks of really focusing and training kind of led to, led to somebody's result. And yeah, it was a very, a very happy moment in a sense, just because of the, the dealings of stuff that we've had this year, that you know, a good and happy moment for me, and a happy moment for my girlfriend, and a happy moment for my family. We've just, yeah, you know, I'm in two weeks, I've, I've put myself back on a really good track. I've yeah. taken everything to the point where I want to be, being really quite serious, running up to Rutland, knowing that if I have good form, that I can have a really good race there. And yeah, to, to kind of ride it the way I did with. Some of the luck that we had also like we started off and yeah, we had a had a, a big crash early on and lost Rory and stop suffered a bit from that, I believe, and kind of got onto the sectors and then Griff suffered. I don't know if you've if you've seen the picture, but basically there's a picture of of Griff and he's essentially just covered in blood, um, which I didn't know until after the race. So we'd lost him. Um and then yeah, I was I was quite nervous in the race. There there was there was a lot of riders and there was an awful lot of the best way to describe it is just sketchiness like there was rides everywhere and we came to the first sector and I just thought I had so much momentum leading into like the climb on um, Summerberg I just thought I'm just going to go to the front. Reese and Gibson were there, which I knew you know they'd been there since the crash had happened. And I thought, I'm just going to try and split the group as much as possible. There was two lads up the road and they had seven minutes. And I thought, if I just whack it over this sector and I come out of it with no punches and the rest of it and Gibson, Reese are all right, then I'm going to keep going because I don't want to be back in a peloton. And it's I don't really have that often. Like I'm quite happy sitting in a peloton. But yeah, Sickle on Sunday, I was like, right, there's, there's kind of two options here. We've got to bring this gap down because it's seven minutes. It will do that naturally, but who's going to help us? You know, we don't have six riders anymore. There's three of us. Um, so, yeah, kind of did that. And the race went from there, really. Got into a nice little group. And, yeah, we got we got to the closing stages of the race and Reese had come across with a few other riders, made it a bigger group. We went back over Summerberg for the last time and I kind of lost Reese again. And he'd had a puncture and... The other lads had a puncher behind and I was like, oof, I'm suddenly in a situation here where if anything happens to me, we're going to have a really bad day as a team. And I was kind of, I didn't, I knew what to do and I kept riding. And yeah, but there was three GB riders, two River riders, a couple of other solo riders from teams. I thought to myself, I'm going to have to play a bit smarter here. So... Yeah, kind of tried to let them do the work, but I wanted to minimise the group down because I thought if I minimise the group down to a place where, say, there's five or six of us again, rather than ten or eleven, if anything happens then I can get a bike change pretty quickly, and I'm still in a good position. Um But then we came, we came onto the laps. It came, kind of, it, it split over the, the sector there, and yeah. You, I was trying to force everyone else to do something and they were also looking at me to do something because i I'd, I'd been attacking quite a lot. And we'd we'd come down through the finish and there was, you know, the the lap to go. And uh Stuart Balfour had gone up the road with um another lad from uh Ablock, which is a, a Dutch continental team. And I just looked at the GB lads and said, you know, I've done I've done enough chasing imagine you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to help me out here a bit because yeah, you know, race race is going away from us now, and I'm 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 a bit spent. And I remember GB went to sit on the front. and I was just like, Oof, we're not we're not going to close this gap. And luckily, I I just felt I just had one of those days where I felt so strong. I was like, right, if I go now, um, I can jump across to the two lads in the front before the gap gets possibly too big. And hopefully, I can drop everyone else doing it. And yeah, I managed to kind of drop all the GB rides and drop everyone else, but I didn't drop of a river rider who was Finn and um, kind of knew he was on he was on good form. I'd seen his results from the race year and I was like, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to deal with this. Um so we got to the next sector, you know, we stayed as a four and then we got to the, the last sector, the big one and thought if we can if we can get rid of one of them, perfect. And you know I nearly nearly managed it um just to kind of make it as a free and kind of all fair play for the last kilometers. And uh, Stuart managed to claw his way back just 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 before we wait the tailwind and yeah that made made life a bit more difficult and yeah I thought right it's kind of time to gamble on the sprint and see what legs I've got left and yeah kind of went to sprint and think with all the with all the efforts that I'd done to just the 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 top speed wasn't there and yeah it's. Managed third, there. and if if someone if someone would have told me, uh, say like even even last week, you know that I'd have got third at Sickle and not had any problems whatsoever, and so on, and I'd have had kind of luck that I did have with um not punching or so on. I'd have been like, yeah, right, but yeah, it was a it was a nice result to have the weekend, and I think it's uh it's onwards towards the rest of the season for now.
0: I'm sorry to hear about your difficult time at the start of the year, but I think it's great to hear how much the team sort of supported you through it.
1: Yeah, definitely. It was um, you know, I've I've always the thing that I've always liked about British teams, I think, is is that sense of family. Um, you know, and like I say, I've been with i I've been with Tim from 2020 now, and yeah, I get I get along with him and the team really well. And yeah, just um, sometimes it's understanding and yeah, it's it's it was uh it was lovely to have the support from them as well. And yeah, I think he's um hopefully I've i repaid him a bit for uh, for giving me that support with a with a decent result at Sickle and hopefully I can I can repay the team from uh, the rest of the season now as well.
0: <laughs> so you've got the tour series coming up. Are you looking forward to that?
1: yeah so i believe i'm doing the first the first two rounds um last year was a last year was a difficult um a difficult one with the three rounds so this year we're back to eight and yeah we'd we'd lost um we they the lads had a crash last year in round one which basically stuffed the <laughs> stuffed the um series up in in round one and yeah i ca- i came in for round three last year and I was very much under the impression that I was like, yeah, I can I can get this. Um we can we can still win it here, lads. Or the, the job I have to do is sit on the front, rip it, rip it to pieces, you'll not worry about finishing it. And unfortunately, I think we missed we missed out on that title after all the difficulties in the first race by a very slim margin. So I think it was on it was on my mind this year that yeah, I want to Try and get back on that top step and get the team back on that top step again. Because uh, Tim's Tim's won it a fair few times now, to a Series, and yeah, it's um, it's something that I haven't I haven't done with him, if you will. So it's um, I'd like to I'd like to get that one back in his office. You know, a nice a nice jersey back in his in his office for him.
0: <laughs> what are your goals for the rest of the season?
1: Oh yeah, so. I think now I'm now I'm settled, and after after this result, I'll be definitely looking more towards the UCI races that we've got as a team. But also, um, I think I'll have a look at the British National Series again. I'm quite interested in taking that title back if I can, and if I can fit it in with with the UCI races we've got. Um, but that's not necessarily a a goal. Goal. The goal is to win as many as many races as as possible whether that be in Britain or UCI races and if I win as many races and national series in Britain as I can then the the national road series jersey will come with that but the um, the big one that I really want to tick off this year is kind of my first my first UCI win feels strange at 26 that I still still haven't had that and I'll be turning 27 soon so yeah I'd love to absolutely tick that off this year and yeah, we'll we'll see what we can also do in, do about returning a striper jersey uh on the mountain bike mm-hmm. and see if we see if we can't get one on the road somehow. <laughs> yeah, I think I think just just kind of hit the season now with with the positivity of this result and yeah, carry carry that forward and, and see what see what we can do.
0: What's your favourite race you've ever done?
1: Favourite race? Ooh. I thought about this earlier, and it's very similar to Sickle Classic, but it's in another country, um, and that is called Dwars door Hageland, um, which is a gravel race basically in Belgium. It was close to where uh, it was very close to where I lived. Yeah, it was. It's it's just a race that again suits me very well. It's got more sectors than than Sickle Classic, and yeah, it's. Um, it's probably my favourite race, but I haven't done it in a long time. Yet.
0: Is there a race that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Uh,
1: yes, uh, that is, but that, they're, they're all, all your World Tour races, really. I'd love to do that. I'd love to do the World Tour, the world tour Professional Continental Calendar and um, really look at ticking those those big races off, um, you know, of course I think every everybody's dream if you want to be a professional cyclist is your kind of your big classics like your Flanders, your Roubaix, and yeah, you know, I think if you if you don't start cycling with an aspiration of say wanting to ride in a Tour de France or a grand tour, then yeah, you don't really want to be a cyclist.
0: <laughs> Who's your favourite current rider?
1: Oh that's a good question. There's 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 not really someone stands out stands out but I like I think there's a lot of characters in cycling and I like how these characters have an outlook on on life alongside cycling so someone that I've seen quite often who seems to have a really good balance um is Roh- Rohan Dennis and I like I like how he's how he's moved around teams the last the last few years you know he had a Seemed to have a really difficult situation when he was with Bahrain, and kind of came out of that by winning the World Time Trial Championships, and then yeah, moved to Ineos and then now moved to Jumbo. But yeah, I like that 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 kind of spirit where he wants to wants to keep continuing and and riding for for the world's best teams, and to kind of change around with what seemed to be a difficult situation that he had a few years back few years back to where he is now seems so it's quite it's something that is uh, quite good i think um but yeah th- alongside that obviously yeah uh, you're, you're attacking riders I, I love an attacking rider as well and yeah people who people who look up at lighting like, a race i think that's when you're when you're watching the big races as well that always makes it interesting and that's i think the way that racing is going now the the last years so yeah you kind of, you know, you you're Van Aert, you Pidcock and Van der Poel, you know, all those riders, all the leap. It's, it's, yeah. But I think I like, I like that attacking sense of riding as well. I just kind of do it at a different level.
0: <laughs> Who's your favourite rider of all time?
1: I'm not sure I have one, but I mentioned the other day that I did, um, I do like, I did like when Peter Sagan came into cycling. That was very much the, the era that kind of I got brought up in and I liked his, his not-so-serious outlook on cycling and his, his kind of view to it. Um, so, yeah, he is probably one of my favourite riders of all time, just, the, just his, his outlook on the sport. and I think he is, he is one of the riders that, that changed the sport in a sense as well.
0: What's your advice for young riders?
1: Get involved in cycling. That's as, as simple as it sounds, I think, yeah, to get involved in cycling, kind of figure out what you like, but don't, don't ever take it so seriously. You know, you can, be, you can be very, and I mean that in a sense, of you can be very swayed in cycling. It can be easy to get really serious and it can be easy to lose. I think what cycling's all about. And, you know, the, for me, cycling's about having fun and enjoying it, but also being serious. And I think, yeah, if you, for a younger rider, find, find a good balance between doing things. And if that's as deft as it sounds, if that's still doing something else within the sport, like going riding a mountain bike or going riding a jump bike, something like that, then, yeah, go and do that. But, yeah, just just find a good balance in the sport if you, if you really want to uh, make a career out of it.
0: You've got five minutes before you head down to the start of a race. What's on your playlist to get you motivated?
1: Oh, at the moment, um, it is Fifty Cent. I've got I've, I've got back into a bit of a bit of listening to uh to Fifty Cent. So yeah, um, yeah, a bit of that at the moment. But I go I go between music quite a lot. So yeah, a lot of a lot of different stuff actually, and probably probably stuff that um, people wouldn't necessarily see as as going. Is getting your g'd up but something that speaks to me
0: <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today jake
1: thank you for having me
0: i hope you liked my chat with jake thank you so much to him for being on i'd love it if you'd follow me on social media so that's instagram facebook twitter and the gcn app don't forget to share the podcast with your friends see you on the bike